Just wanted to thanks, thank Randy uh, for giving me this opportunity and you know just giving me um, a chance to speak with uh, you know what the Lord showed me with uh, with raising bees. So that's what the that's what the conversation is about. It's the infamous bees that I've raised this uh, past summer, um, it, and it really is truly you know amazing when you start looking at these creatures and and you see what they do and how they work and the intricacies and everything else you know you really have to be blind to think that uh you know these things evolved or something like that that's just a kind of an offshoot of the message but they're just really amazing it's and it's just just a joy to to kind of uh work with them so uh i was just going to mention a few uh parallels between things of the lord and and the things that I saw in raising bees, and one of the uh, one of the parallels was uh, the kingdom of God and beehives. So um, beehives, they they do a few things. They produce fruit. They certainly produce honey. Uh, they produce beeswax. They help uh, plants pollinate, and they certainly help farmers grow their crops, which, which help us. Um, beehives have power. Especially when it's humid or raining, you don't want to mess with the with the beehive when it's uh, definitely uh, humid. And there are many workers uh, in a beehive, and they all have, like I said, the perspective function in a beehive, which is interesting. And lastly, there are many individual bees that make up a hive, and the hive can consist of thousands of bees, so it's uh, almost like a, a nation. So, how does that fit with godly things or the kingdom of God? I just wanted to go over a few things the Bible says about the kingdom of God. Um, One, it does produce fruit. Uh, The kingdom of God will produce fruit. Uh, Matthew 21, verses 40 through 43. uh, This is the parable where Jesus was talking about the landowner. And he, uh, he had a vineyard and he leased this land out to some people. And um, he knew, the owner knew when the time comes to harvest, he was going to get this fruit from these uh, vine dressers. Uh, well, these vine dressers did not listen to the owner. Uh, he sent the, his servants first, and they stoned some and killed some and mistreated some others. And then the, the owner said, well, certainly I'll send my son, and they'll respect him. And uh, the vine dressers said, well, we can kill him and, and keep this for ourselves. And so Jesus picked up at, picks up at verse 40. He says, Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease this vineyard to other vine dressers who will render him the fruits of their season. And skipping down to verse 43, Jesus says, Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits fruits of it. So it's certainly going to bear fruit. God's going to see to that. Secondly, the kingdom of God is powerful. Um, in 1 Corinthians 4, 18 through 20, Paul's talking about um, how he's going to go visit some um, believers who had gotten puffed up. Um, they didn't want to you know, take any instruction. They thought they knew everything, and they, they really enjoyed listening to themselves, uh, their lofty words and everything. And uh, Paul said he's not going to rely on lofty words, and he's He's not going to, you know, try and sound high-minded and, and everything else. He's just going to rely on the power of God. Uh, he knew he walked with a good conscience, and he knew that 
the power of the Lord was with him. So that's how he was going to confront these believers. So I'm just going to read that. First um, Corinthians four eighteen through twenty. He said, "Now some are puffed up, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power." For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Uh, the kingdom of God's also made up of workers. Uh, just like we talked about, the bees have things that they're doing in the kingdom. I mean, in the, in the hive and different uh, aspects they do. Um, Paul, Paul said in Colossians 4.11, he, uh, he mentioned the fellow workers and he was very thankful for them. He says, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision, and they have proved to be a comfort to me. And lastly, the kingdom of God is made up of a nation, but it's also made up of individuals. Um, and each and every individual, I think Randy had mentioned this a, a few uh, sermons ago, are saved the same way. Um, we're all washed in the blood, and we all enter the kingdom through that. So uh, Colossians 1, 13 through 14, um, describes this. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And then each and every individual that's, that this happens to makes up a nation. First Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So um, everything was going great with, with um, you know, raising the bees. I got the bees in the mail, um, put them in their, in their beehive or in their brood, that's what they call it, and they took to it, and they were, they were busy. They were making, um, you know, honeycomb. They were multiplying. They were making, you know, honey. It was really fun, and I had a, had a small video um, of, of two things. One is, and I hope you guys can see it, this is just a video of the bees when they were healthy. You can see there's some frames in there. They're building their, their honeycomb. All the bees look great. They're, um, they're multiplying and they're looking good. So it's, it was really a joy, you know, you know, working with them like that. But lo and behold, um, you, you can go to the next one, Chris, if you don't mind. Um, lo and behold, um, some, the, the enemies came in. And those are what you call waxworms. Um, as you can see, they're, they're ugly, uh, very aggressive, and they certainly did a, they, they destroyed the whole hive. There was, there was no honeycomb left. There was no larva. There was no honey. They, they went through the whole thing. It was just a mess. So it was really disappointing to see that happen. So uh, it, it, all this, you know, when you see that, reminds, it reminded me of sin. You know, the wax worms are the sin in, uh, in somebody's life. And as, as we know, sin can destroy an individual. You know, it can destroy a witness. Um, it can destroy the body of believers. It actually affects it. You know, um, it affects non-believers as well. Um, and if gone unchecked, um, it can drive God away from an individual's life and ultimately destroy one's life. So what could have been done? What could have been done to, to make this uh, not happen, right? 
Um, one of the main things that could have been done is regular inspections of the frames. Now, I, I inspected it. All I did was take the, take the lid off, look in, and put it back on. I kind of did my lip service, you know, check the box. Okay, I, I, I checked the bees, you know. But I what I really needed to do is get in the middle of it. I needed to lift every frame up, you know, and look on both sides. I needed to, uh, you know, look on the Internet a little bit more and, and read about how to do this, you know. Um, it's kind of like, you know, with our lives. We, we, you know, we can do a cursory check of, of looking to see if something's wrong or can really get in the middle of it. You know, I was, I was sort of afraid. You know, there's a lot of bees and something might happen. I wasn't used to it. And maybe sometimes we're afraid to do that in real life. You know, we're just afraid to see what we're going to find out about ourselves. But, you know, and, and it struck me, God knows everything about us. I mean, when we, when we look at ourselves, it's not that God doesn't know or he wants us to do it because he needs to find out. He already knows. It's for our benefit to inspect our lives. And so we don't really need to be afraid. It just, you know, I guess our flesh gets in the way. And, um, you know, we need to let the Lord uh, help us with that. So the, the Bible um, talks about four examples of uh, inspection. So I was going to run through those real quick. Um, the first inspection was inspecting to see if you actually have a saving relationship with God. Second um, Corinthians three fifteen says uh, three five says, examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you are disqualified. So we certainly want to do that first and make sure we're in the Lord. Um, another time we call to examine ourselves is before the Lord's Supper. Um, we certainly want to take time. We want to examine our heart. We want to examine our motives. Um, we want to examine our actions and our inactions um, and, and things that are taking our heart away from God. Um, and, and try and repent of that or repent of every sin um, so we can take of the Lord's Supper worthily and uh, we're not judged when we take it unworthily. Um, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight through 32 I'm just going to go ahead and read that. This is some real good instruction. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. That's, a, that's just a blessing that uh, happens when we do, in fact, judge or inspect our lives. Um, another time we were called to examine ourselves is... Before we judge others, um, Jesus uh, certainly was was helpful, or, or you know, he, he gave us good instruction uh, in this area. I mean, it's it's something that you know a lot most people run into, but I'm glad the Lord uh, gave us instruction on it because in our flesh we would judge everybody and we wouldn't look at ourselves and. You know, he, he calls people hypocrites that do that. So we, we certainly don't want to be hypocrites. Um, and he also says we should judge ourselves with the same measure we judge others. So when you do that, it kind of puts another 
stopgap in, in, in judging everybody because if you're going to judge everybody the same way you're judging them or, or judge yourself, it's going to slow, it should slow you down. It, it should. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 7, 3 through 5. It says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And and that's just another way to to know that when you are going to minister to somebody, you're actually ministering them in in a good perspective. You're not rushing into it, and you're not you know, having this hasty judgment. You've you've taken time and you've looked at yourself and you've put yourself in their position. And then if you have to go, you know, uh, confront them or judge them, you can do that the way the Lord would want us to do with his his mind, with the mind of Christ. Um, The last uh, inspection that the the Bible had mentioned, um, we should examine or inspect our lives when we know we've strayed. And we just flat out know, I know that I'm not where I need to be. I know that I'm getting into things that I shouldn't be. And I need to, you know, I need to inspect myself or or look at my life and and repent. Um, We always have to be open with God. And we don't want to be self-deceived. Sometimes we we might think that, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot going on, nothing wrong. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says... Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. And Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So that kind of wraps up the uh, inspections. Um, so once, once the hive's inspected, <clears throat> you have to, uh, if you find something... You're going to root it out, right? You're going to look at that frame, and typically there's a, a larva in there of one of those horrible wax worms, and you have to pry it out, uh, root it out. Um, in Colossians 3, uh, verse 5, uh, it's, it's along those same lines. Um, when we find sin in our life, we want to root it out. We want to get it out. It says, Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And, and we're called to uh, put on the new man. You know, verse 9 and 10, it says, Don't lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. So uh, we're just growing in the Lord, and we inspect ourselves, and then we, we deal with it uh, in this way. And then the, the last thing I wanted to mention about the, the beekeeping experience and, and what I should have done and didn't do, um, you can't add to the, to the brood qu- too quickly. Um, if the bees are in one spot, you can't give a whole lot of room for everything else because there's other things that come in and start growing and they get bigger and stronger and then they start you know, attacking the bees and the bees can't fend them off, there's too many. Um, and it's kind of like the same thing with the devil. Um, 
you know, first we have to be aware that there is an enemy. There are spiritual forces in the, in the world that hate God and, and hate us because we love God. And we have to be aware of that. And secondly, we have to not give room to anything that um, might be sinful in our lives. Uh, you know, like the devil's going to tempt you with this or that, or, you know, you don't want to give room to the devil. Um, so 1 Peter 5, 8, this is about just being aware that there's an enemy. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And uh, in, 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 uh, along the lines of not giving room to the devil, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So we want to uh, certainly be aware that there's an enemy and not give, give room to him. But uh, after all this, you know, um, this experience or whatever, I, I had the opportunity to get another, hot, you know, another bunch of bees and raise them again. Um, and I can, you know, raise them to become fruitful and healthy and cultivate them. Um, and it's kind of like the same thing with the Lord. He gives us forgiveness. You know, we're, we're able to uh, forgive others, which heals us actually, and, and be forgiven and, and be forgiven by the Lord, which is uh, a wonderful blessing. And then we're given the opportunity to uh, make sure that we can live strong and healthy spiritual lives and produce fruit for the Lord, which is pleasing. So, um, along those lines, I just wanted to say one more scripture. It's First uh, John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.